you have to get the wow for yeah i had to i hadn't used it yet so it's been flexed welcome back to thursday night welcome 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 tonight we are experiencing a legend get it experience Mm. are you experienced even the Jimi hendrix experience Jimi hendrix himself what a man what a legend if we didn't have this episode, uh, I think a lot of you would still know a lot about the man, but we're still going to celebrate his life and his music today. Mm. His short life at that as well. Thank you all for listening. As you know, we have an Instagram page where we post a listening guide in addition to the episode. So if you've never heard Jimi Hendrix before and you lived under a rock, you can go there <laughs> and see photos of the man, playlists of songs we think you should listen to, our official album tier rankings, which is not too hard considering this man had only three albums out when he was alive, mm-hmm. but the impact those albums had was incredible and everything else to do with the podcast. So go check that out. Now, before we started recording, Michael dropped the knowledge that he did his year 12 research project on Jimi Hendrix. Yeah, so this actually, we might have a little bit of research on this show. Uh, a medium research medium show research. today. still low, but in the higher tier of mm. low. Yeah, I did it on, um, well, I don't know, in year 12, I just ner- was really nerding out on Jimi Hendrix and I just decided to do well, my research project on it and my question was, how did Jimi Hendrix revolutionise the electric guitar? Which, mm. I, mean, gr- I mean, great question. Yeah. For a man who was active for, he was only active for what, like a six-year period or something? like mm, Something like that, yeah. Well, he's, he, his first record was... Uh, yeah, 67. So by that logic, he's, he's only alive for three, three and a half more years after I experienced. Yeah, he wasn't on the scene for very, very long at all. And he's unanimously regarded, well, most people regard him as one of the greats, if not the greatest guitar player. Depending on who you speak all to, time, yeah. he's either in the top three or top top five at least, or even number one, yeah. I mean, let, let's let's go ahead and state the obvious here. What makes Jimi Hendrix's guitar playing so unique and so special? Well, um, because one of his massive, like, key features was he was left-handed and there mm. was there were they were left-handed guitarists around, but, like, really, like, back in the day, if you were left-handed, you were considered, like... like just learn right-handed. Yeah, just, yeah, just, just learn right-handed. Yeah. Don't don't do stuff with your left hand. That's considered evil. You're the devil and yeah. stuff. Well, he did he Play, had some pretty voodoo tones yeah, to be exactly. fair. Um, yeah, I mean that goes into his uniqueness. The fact that he had his um, you know guitar left handed and well, he leaned into his uniqueness. Yeah, pretty much. So like there were left handed guitars around, and then but if you were left handed, you just simply have to pick up a right handed guitar and flip it around. But that was only normally done on like acoustic semi hollow guitars, so they were kind of like similar. Yeah, like the ES three thirties and like just acoustic guitars, nylons. But this this man decided to use a Stratocaster. Yeah, flipped it upside down, and yeah, so everything, all the hardware was messed up. This the gauges were all weird on the pickups. His tremolo was up up here on the yeah. on the wrong side. It, it wasn't like in a yeah. It was, it was like a reverse guitar as opposed to like a proper left-handed guitar that you might see in a shop today. Yeah, yeah. Was, but now people copy that. I've seen fenders like right-handed fenders with the headstock backwards and the fucking tremolo yeah. up here. The gauge is all messed up down there. Yeah, the, you, the you, pots up you there. You see kids like that today. Yeah, if you see a normal guitar right-handed with like a reverse headstock, that's a nod to Jimmy. 100%. Yeah, hundred percent. Mm, what a king. I mean, obviously, on top of that. He is known for his wah-wah sound, his extremely raucous, like, fuzz sound. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the fu- the fuzz wah-wah, 
the uni vibe. He was a yeah, pioneer. I was going to say, vibe. you know specifically like what they were called, right? Like or like his fuzz. Yeah, the fuzz face that well, the fuzz that he used was called a fuzz face, yeah, which was that right. circle one, which looked like a legit face, like a smiley face. It was yeah. red and had some rubber shit on the bottom. He used a. I've I've heard he used a vox wire, mm. but now they have like the one I've got on the floor here is the. Jim Dunlop Crybaby yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's just, they named obviously Crybaby and stuff. Mm. Um, and then he had the Univibe, which is a Japanese, like, kind of, was meant to simulate like a, what's that thing? Um, the the organ thing? What is it the called? The Leslie. Yeah, it's yeah. meant to simulate, so the Univibe box, it was a massive box. Can we have a taste? Can we have a taste oh, yeah, of what you taste. have? Oh, so. Hmm. So there's normally like two settings of it. That's on the chorus setting, and he flipped that around. Mark and that's just tinkering. Yeah, loud. And that's on the vibrato setting. But yeah, essentially, it was like a big box on the floor, and it was meant with an expression pattern. Was meant to simulate a Leslie like speaker circle spinning around. But obviously, it didn't really sound like that. It kind of had its own sound, and then yeah. Hmm. I mean, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, there's so much to say, and he a lot of his music speaks for himself. But let's try to talk about. Let's try to get all the other stuff out the way, then we'll get to his music. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he's he's a strat guy, but as we talked about in the strat versus Telly radio show, yeah, he can't really be tied to one strat set. Maybe the white one, but he's had several. You know, he's known for the the strat that he lit on fire on stage. Yeah, and, he hasn't and just like used that. Stratocasters as well. He's used. He was very famous for using a flying V as well. But yeah. if you were to look up any picture of Jimi Hendrix, more than likely you would find him with the upside down strat. Yeah, literally that. I, there's like there's a one photo shoot where he had a photo shoot with an acoustic guitar. And yeah, there's the twelve like, string one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's like one video on YouTube of him playing acoustic I've guitar. I've seen the that. rest is like uh, legit. That's the. It's pretty like for someone that's crazy considered yeah. the number one guitarist in the world. There's only two videos of him ever playing an acoustic guitar. You know, I was thinking about this recently. Obviously. Jimi Hendrix is remembered so fondly, obviously, because the impact he had on the music industry and the world. But part of that impact feels like he just came at the perfect time. You know, he came oh, yeah. the summer of love. He came just when um, film photography was getting cheaper. So there is footage of him to watch as opposed to just, you know, as opposed to just stories being told of his legacy. The music can be distributed. There's film of him. He had a unique look. He was a black man, which gave him, which made him stand out for the crowd, like, crowd, oh, like for, for good sure. and bad reasons, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like all of that tied into one. And he didn't like his music career set aside. He led like an extraordinary life as well. He was in, he was a paratrooper in the army oh, yeah. as well he served, when he was like yeah. 18. Yeah. He was in the world war two. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I think so. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure. World Low war research. Yeah. He's definitely in the army. Yeah. Um, he was, I think he was a paratrooper and then he either got injured so he got discharged mm. or he had like some kind of minor disability or something and then he got discharged from the army yeah have you seen photos of young Jimi hendrix yeah he's got he, he's, he's got, got like, he's like the slicked back hair yeah. he looks really young because that's like the 50s it's like and a 40s. mug shoot as well yeah and then the photos in his heyday the crazy hair and the paisley colors and mm. the psychedelia and all of that for sure Let's uh, let's start with some music, shall we? The Jimi Hendrix experience with um, oh, what are the what are the band members? I actually can't remember. I, I'm gonna. Could you could you look up the band <laughs> names? I should have absolutely researched this, but I really I would have known back in the day. I would have 100 known who they were. I really appreciate that the, this is actually a three piece. It really adds to like the energy 
of his music. But let's play the first song of the first record. I did, just a side note, up, I just did get them. So obviously it's Jimi Hendrix, yeah. Noel Redding and Mitch Mitchell. Yeah, great. They're tight musicians too. They are. Noel Redding, I'm, I know his stuff aside from the Jimi Hendrix experience. Mm. Now that first song, Foxy Lady, immediately hits you with some iconic Jimi Hendrix sounds. One, it's, it's that... It's that uh, if you get it's that uh, it's the E seven flat nine yeah. chord you get that straight away or variations of it. He's, yeah, he's known like that. for that chord, and he's known for his one of the things he's known for is his bounting style. He often bounce between octaves. Yeah, he would like, like bounce on boom, like boom, the boom, bass boom. note, yeah, and then come back with like the the lower notes and then come back. Oh, another thing he is iconic for he. I don't know if it was that chord, but definitely other chords he would voice with his thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. gave him freedom on the high strings. I actually don't play Foxy Lady with my thumb. I found it hard, but he, de- he this I, man I'm had, sure big, he, he had yeah. big hands as well. Like he could stretch. And, and those massive hands like influenced his chord voicing, which of course influenced his music. Yeah, it's the fact that he can have big hands means that he has the bass and he would noodle around on yeah. the higher strings. Putting the thumb on the E string is considered a big no-no in the classical guitar Yeah, in traditional now, guitar. Now, not so much because you need, kind of mm. need that thumb to hit and stretch. But back then, making that stretch would have been very difficult. Good luck playing Jimi Hendrix songs yeah, without literally. Uh, your thumb for some of them. And then, yeah, from that first song, as you can hear as well, like... Great voice too. Now a lot of his songs uh, was just like like a traditional three piece like they would play live like with not like some songs had overdubbing mm. but some would have him genuinely playing and singing like a real super tight three piece incredible every time I hear that song see my brain works weird because I tie songs to movies yeah, and that, I tie that to go Wayne's on. World yeah, obviously of you have to <laughs> that's funny uh, um and then yeah like just just so just I love stating the obvious. Especially for a show like this, mm. he's soloing. Like yeah. his bends, his his um his choices um not exclusive to the pentatonic scale, but he lived comfortably like on the guitar neck. You know, he yeah. knew what he was doing. Well, see, he wasn't like classically trained. He couldn't. Oh, another thing about Jimmy Hendrix, he couldn't read music either. That's mm. one of his big things. Someone like that can't read music. Um, but yeah, he did like the major minor pentatonic scales, but. His soloing's not like it's not like it's like not, rapid, it's fast not shredding. shredding. Yeah, yeah. Like if you put him with Evie, we're talking a lot about Eddie Van Halen, but if you talk, compare them together. Is a good example. It's fast, but it's like it's like a little bit chaotic fast. It's nothing like crazy shred. I mean, yeah, his his solos are extremely mm. tasteful. Yeah. He's legit playing the right notes at the right time and at the like the right furiosity as well. It should be said though, during his live shows, he would like to push the limit a little bit. Oh yeah, he he would go fucking crazy as much as um he could with uh, him in the band. He was like, um, yeah, he he he, that's a good word. He legit pushed the limit. He'd you'd see him smacking his guitar on Marshall, trying to feed back the guitar. Literally like massive stack. I've seen more than one Jimi Hendrix live show 
where before the band would start, he would warn people in the audience, be careful of your ears. <laughs> yeah. And like he meant it genuinely. Like he like he meant to the people in the front row, be careful, this is gonna be fucking loud. I think um I think it was like one of those Mon- I think it was the Montreal thing, it was like, oh careful of years, careful of years, and he just rips yeah, it, he just, just destroys like, it. Just like you're fucking you're it's like uh, like a fans on you and your skin's yeah, flapping back. Literally, yeah. you know how I said you like to smash the guitar against the marshals to feedback. That was a jet Pete. There's a video, a, a photo of someone holding the marshals at the back, and he's just wailing his guitar against the stack. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, should we talk about that? That's a good part of his sound. Like the marshal was another iconic part of his sound. So obviously, back in the day, do you know which one he used? Or I, I don't. To be honest, I think it would have been similar to for today. It would have been similar to like a JCM. 100 or a jubilee or something like that yeah yeah not 100 percent certain but i think that's something similar that he used of course i mean and that combination of a stratocaster with a marshall stack yeah is um is um emulated today in so many artists all the artists who were inspired by Jimi hendrix all the guitarists and there are a lot of them love that combination john frashante yeah. is an example obviously frashante is a massive Jimi hendrix nut if you dive deep into his sound most of his triad chords and all that come from Jimi hendrix and that's just that's just to name one because we love john frashante but thousands millions of guitarists influenced by him you know what i always love that video i don't know if you've seen it but like Someone's asking John Vashante, he's like, oh, show me like your Jimi Hendrix collection. He gets like his, his vinyls. He takes like a massive chunk like this. He's like, yeah, these are all yeah, of them. This is like, it. What? Um, all right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to make an early call. I'm going to mm. make an early call. This is my favorite Jimi Hendrix song. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a classic. Dun, 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 dun. Sounds incredible for recorded in the 60s. It's a, the recording is a perfect balance of live and studio sound. Reasons why I personally love this song. I don't often have like a favorite song, but I can say that's my favorite Jimi Hendrix song for a few reasons. One, I actually appreciate that all the band members really go ham in that song. Like the drumming yeah. is fucking wild in that song for some yeah, reason. He, um, I think it was Mitch Mitchell, the drummer. Yeah, he yeah. has some killer breaks in that. that yeah, exactly. What I love about this song is every verse gets like busier and busier, busier. Then at the end, he's just like going solo. And I gave her the gun. And I shot, and I shot her. Oh, how yeah, something like that. Incredible. So I just had. I, that's a very early call, but I had to do that. Look, what's an, what's a song that we can talk about from this album? Uh, look, this album is stacked. Yeah, and of this course, is his like please. first yeah. album too. Like there's like obviously Hey Joe, oh, there's like Purple Haze as well. I'm you have sure. to play Purple Haze. Purple Haze has that E7 flat nine chord that I was talking about. Um. Give me while I kiss the sky. This song has like the, the octave or whatever it is that sort of buzzes out towards the end of yeah. the song. Yeah, he does use the the fuzz face in this. Purple Haze! Do you think Purple Haze is the most popular Jimi Hendrix song? Either that or Hey Joe. Or probably The Wind Cries Mary, those three, maybe? That, that or like Little Wing or... I mean, fuck, we could... Yeah. Maybe not, you know, like just... But well even those first three, they're legit all from that first album. Yeah, so crazy. Um, well, 
Yeah, so that was Purple Haze. It should be said, and now's maybe a good time to say it, he knew how to write a ballad or whatever you wanted to call it mm. as well. Like, oh, oh, I was going to say go before, on, no, go, sorry, yeah, please, when you yeah. were talking about, um, you said amazing voice. Funny things, I watched the, wow, I used to watch so many Jimi Hendrix documentaries back in the day, and one of the documentaries, they went back to Electric Lady Studios, which became... Electric Lady Land, yeah, yeah. yeah. His, his studio. Um, and they said Jimi Hendrix hated, hated singing. He hated singing. Really? Like, yeah. We'll talk like more his about own that. voice. Yeah, yeah. He, he he always he was always like pulling his voice back, and they were like, "No, no, go Push further, it, go yeah. further." And he was like, "No, no, no." We'll talk more specifically on a different song okay, in a cool. later album, but cool. He was all he hated he hated his voice apparently, even though he had a fantastic, fantastic yeah. voice. Um, yeah. What I was just saying is that this man knew how to write a ballad as well, and his guitar playing on these slower songs as well was just as unique, mm. just as cool. The wind cries Mary is a perfect example. Oh, that, that clean guitar tone. It sounds slightly rolled back, like... Oh. When I say rolled back, for people who are not guitar, it's like the guitar knob is rolled back, so it's just like the fundamental frequencies of the string. It sounds a bit dull, but that dullness gives you that smoothness that Mark was playing. <laughs> Footprints. Dressed in red And the wind Cries Mary The solo is great on that one too Nice clean solo It's like all double stops isn't it Like all two notes at once Yeah legit all double stops These are songs that I learnt when I was like first I think year 8, year 9 when I was first Like really getting the hang of the guitar because at first I wanted to quit, like, at year seven. I wanted to play drums. I, I, I started playing drums, mm. and I was like, no, no, no. And then I went to CBC, and my dad's like, you can pick one, drums or guitar. And I was like, no, nah, you know I'm going to give drums a shot. And he's like, no, yeah. no, no way. <laughs> <laughs> I spent all this money on guitar all these years. You're not quitting. And then I had a fantastic teacher. His name was Stephen Tyler or Taylor? Stephen Taylor. Taylor. Tyler's the guy from Aerosmith, obviously. Yes, yes. And he was showing me all these Jimi Hendrix things that I could play right now with minimal like practice and effort. Well, a good teacher. And they were all it's like fantastic. Yeah, he he legit like it was like my brain was locked, and he just like turned the key, and I, I was playing oh, Purple Haze. It's good to hear you say. Like uh, Wind Cries Mary, Hey Joe, all those songs. I was like, can I learn these? And he was just teaching me all of them, which is I killer. Mean, I think you're a Thai guitar player, so shout out to Stephen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, your experience is extremely common. A lot of guitarists from all over the world. I mean, if you want to learn how to play guitar, you look to the masters. And That's he, what I always say to example. everybody. Like newer players, I say, you find people who you like and then go back to what they like. So if you liked Red Hot Chili Peppers, you'd go find what Fashante liked and he liked Jimi Hendrix. You know, everyone who, everyone tries to find their own sound, but the step before that is copying your masters. Mm. You need to find out exactly how they think, how they play, play exactly how they play. And then once you've learnt how all of your favourite influences play, then that's how you make your own sound. Well, I mean, it's the whole thing of copying whatever, you know. Well, they say imitation is the best form of flattery. Exactly. So. Perfect. Uh, other stuff on this album, like there's like more like psychedelic songs. I, oh, third, third Stone from the Sun is another one that I really like. It's a little more slept on, like unless you were a big fan. It's a deeper cut. Yeah, yeah it's a deep cut. Yeah, there's like a little bit of a, a bit of a weird intro. Again with the double stops, yeah. I'm just going to skip forward a bit. Yeah, this is the heavy in the psychedelia. 
I wouldn't say Jake, uh, Jimi Hendrix is not known for being like a drug addict or any shit like that. But I mean, it was the sixties though. Like, yeah, he did. He dabbled in the uh, you know acid and the the marijuana and everything. It's funny else, you yeah. say that because I don't know if this is true, but I heard a story once that you know how he wears the bandana. Yeah, I don't know hundred if this is true or but someone told this to me or I read it somewhere that he'd do like a little slit on his forehead and dip his thing in LSD oh, and he'd tie no. it to his head. So it'd be like fucking slow <laughs> tripping trip. out. But then I heard, but like I heard other stories from interviews that like one time someone gave him like a sugar cube and that sugar cube just happened to be laced with LSD. So um, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, I, I say that he he's not known for the drugs. Well, not known as a, like a drug user, but his death is, um, well, they believe, they're not exactly sure what happened as far as I'm aware, but some people think it could be drug related. Some people um, think like he, his partner killed him or whatever the fuck, nah, but, but he, you know what I mean? What I think he died the same way as John Bonham, but like John Bonham was more drinking. He was like, it was the combination of... Barbiturates is, is, is the drug class. Officially, uh, the first... Um, link I found here is like choking on his vomit. Yeah, yeah. But caused by barbiturate use, which is like... Um, yeah, I think it was drug and alcohol. Which is like sleeping tablets yeah. and shit is like what barbiturates are, yeah. But he was also like, he would have been sleeping like face up or face down yeah. instead of on the side because he would have passed out completely. Um, um, so, yeah, it's sad. Mm. <laughs> Sorry to, to bring down the moon And moon so quickly slider. as well, but like everyone knows by now that he it was he was like short and sweet was... Was his life? Yeah, I and mean, his music. He's part of the Twenty Seven Club. Yeah, uh, that's nothing to be celebrated over, but it um, there is it's some, infamous. There is some, yeah, exactly. There is some correlation apparently between um, people who are wildly creative and wildly suffering from drugs and emotions and stuff like that, and dying at twenty seven could be a coincidence, but maybe not. Um. Another st- other stuff. Yeah, on back here. to the album. <laughs> yeah, back to the album. <laughs> anyway, so we yeah. talked about the wind cries. Man, talking about purple haze. Like songs like Stone Free or Are You Experienced. I, I put on manic depression. Oh, manic depression. Yeah. I was gonna say manic depression as well. This has a lilting. Manic depression. Yeah, this is like one of those um, like looping. Yeah, like yeah, looping yeah. riffs. It just keeps going. His voice sounds great on this one. Hmm. No, I don't remember how to play that one. I definitely learnt, though. Great album. And then there's other songs, too. Like, honestly, this album is the top tier. Almost, I enjoy almost every single song on here. Is this your favourite Jimi Hendrix album? Because It's actually not, even though I'm saying I uh, rate yeah, every okay. single one on here. But, uh, yeah, um, even, like, songs like Remember or 51st Anniversary, May This Be Love. See, look. The amount of songs I love on all of the Jimi Hendrix albums, particularly the ones that came out when he's alive, and we'll touch on like the rest later, but it's pretty equal. Like the amount of great songs on all of them is fantastic. This could just be my favorite one. Yeah, could edge out. As I my could favorite. see why. I could see why. It's just, it's just heavy. Yeah, like I'm looking at my phone it's right raw. now, and it's rare that I have like a complete album on my phone, and this is just one of them because I enjoy every single one on here. If one song came on here from this album, I would probably listen to it. Mm depending on how I'm feeling that day. <laughs> Before we get into his next album, we should talk about, um, let's talk about Woodstock. Woodstock. Yeah. So what was that? 69? 69. Yeah. yeah. 69. I mean, it's a bit later than this album, but um, 
part of or one of the reasons that Woodstock, particularly that year, um, is so famous is because of him. Jimi Hendrix performance. Yeah, he's in all white that day, mm. uh, and it was crazy. Yeah, that's not when he set the guitar on fire, is it? That was a Montreal no, festival. No, but that was the day when he played the Star Spangled Banner. Oh I yes, yeah. The I should be able to find that somewhere. Let me try to find that. Actually, that's good that you mentioned that because when we were talking about feedback before, that song or very classical American anthem, but they he plays it with feedback. I used to know how to play that, but I can't, I can't remember At anymore. the time, and I guess even now, but especially at the time, this was the most divisive fucking thing ever. August 18th, 1969, it says is the date. It, you, it was either the most disrespectful, disgusting mm. version by the culture or the counterculture, which he was a part of, which is, of course, the most face-melting expression of freedom that you've ever heard you know what's funny about woodstock as well so many other artists were there like joe cocker like the like Who, that, that year specifically Joni mitchell like all big bands santana played it santana with, yeah with, santana with, with the fucking he had no album out santana he, <laughs> he had no he was he had no re, like released album when he played it like dipped on lsd Sent, yeah santana yeah you've seen that yeah, video where yeah. he's like I, someone gave me something i took it and it was lsd and he played like an absolute madman on the show, and he's like, "This never again. This gra- I'd never uh, take this." Did you stuff. say the Grateful Dead? Uh, uh, I think jo- they, Joe Cocker, like Joni Mitchell, the Grateful, the Who, Dead, the Grateful played, yeah. Dead would have been there too. Yeah, Santana played it with literally no album. And, yeah, fantastic. And Santana but too. yeah, um, Jimi Hendrix, incredible. But like those people and those acts, like I've seen videos of the Who, like it's not they're not getting slept on, but like Jimi Hendrix, just like he was he's up he, here. I think he was that, the main event for the day. Oh, for sure, I believe. And that that album. Uh, is out there on the internet for people to listen to. And like the theatrics from him playing as well. Like he's he was playing up behind his head with his teeth, oh, well, behind his, that, yeah, perfect behind his um, like legs and stuff. That's exactly what I was going to talk about next. He was very animated on stage. Yeah, you just covered that. Even if he was legit like playing absolute garbage, to see someone play guitar with their teeth or behind their head, like it was just no one had ever seen that shit before. Know, literally, what an animal. That was what was so addictive about him. Like that's what oh, like, people fell in love with. Addictive is him. a great word. Yeah, exactly. Like he had the technical ability with his fingers and then, yeah, him playing with his teeth or behind his head is just just proving it. Just showing off really, isn't it? And it was it's hard playing with <clears> teeth as well. I won't lie, I've tried it. It's hard. Yeah, he, he like, he'd fucking like, You've seen him. He'd like draw, like, like, um, like fucking go for it with his teeth yeah. as well. He's not like he's not playing chords, obviously. He's like, <laughs> or like even just putting it, into like, it between your legs. It's like, who would do that shit? <laughs> All right, let's get back on track to his discography. Mm-hmm. The, oh, I was gonna oh, no, say, go. Yeah, go. Please. I was gonna say as well. Now that we're in the early, earlyish kind of years of um, Jimi Hendrix, he actually used to play in a. In bar bands, like as a backup rhythm guitarist. Yeah, I've I've seen photos he, of him. I don't with know a, if he played like a slide and acoustic say, and stuff. I don't want to say Little Richard, but I feel like it might have been, it might have been him or someone, someone that had a big band and, and he was playing up. like rhythm. Actually, that's the only other time he's. I've seen one photo shoot as Jimi Hendrix with an acoustic guitar, but I have seen photos of him like in the fifties holding yeah, an acoustic yeah. guitar and stuff in the army and shit. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he was playing in America at the time and he just, like, he was, 
like when he was playing rhythm, he obviously left to do his own thing, but like nothing was happening in America. That, so then the guy from I believe it's the Animals, yeah. the manager Chaz Chad something or Chaz whatever his and name. The is. Animals were massive. The Animals the were massive. Yeah. That I forgot. Is it Chaz or Chad or something? I feel like it's Chaz Chaz Chalmers or something like that. Sounds right, but low research. Something show. like that. Anyway, that guy. <clears throat> He was got mad success from the animals, but he decided to leave, leave the animals and do his own thing. And then he came across Jimi Hendrix in a bar, or he found him somewhere, or someone passed his name on to him and decided to manage him. Mm. And then he decided, all right, we'll take this guy from America, bring him to the UK, and then he just exploded in the UK. That's so common, and we've talked about that before on the show. There's, uh, for whatever reason, in the '60s, '70s, '80s, whatever. Artists had to go across the pond, as it were. Mm, across the to, pond. To go big. All right. The other record from 1967. Is it, oh, was it the same year? Mm. Really? Uh, is Axis Boulder's Love. Mm. Um, this is the record where he pushes his hand a little bit more. In, in term, I, th- I feel like this record has more iconic riffs, in my opinion. That's just my opinion, but, like, you know, this record has this. Mm-hmm. Not easy to play, not but not ridiculous to play. It's it, this is one of those riffs um, where everyone picks out the specific details. Oh no, you came on that note, yeah, half a second earlier. Oh I'm, no, he Jimi Hendrix bends up instead of down, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? She's walking. Yeah, it's one of those things that, like, yeah, not easy to play, but a guitarist try to learn that riff because a, it's tasty, but it's sort of like a must-know song type, you know, situation. Exactly right, Alex. No matter, no one will ever play that song exactly like Jimi Hendrix. Um, even that, that's my version, and obviously that was played in standard. Yeah, little bit played yeah, in flat with, yeah. with like the uni. He kicks on the uni vibe at points as well. What's important about this song? And this record, it's the sort of the introduction of a more chorusy mm. uh, vibrato sound. Some of his guitar playing, and also like the the painting. And this is the sixties, you know. Um, recording progress was being made on the quality of recordings, and this record really used like stereo panning left to right and using the different channels a lot more, much fuller sound. So I know a lot about this song. Please. This this song here was. Definitely recorded at Electric Lady Land Studios or Electric Lady Studios, whatever. Yeah. I watched the documentary. You know, I said before, like, he, about him um, not wanting to sing. This is that song where they were like, we'll push your voice forward. And mm. he was like, no, no, I don't want to just pull it back. I don't want to sing, get someone else to sing. And they were like, no, 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 it's good, it's good. That song there has, like, three or four guitar tracks. So there's him playing the the lead, there's him playing the chords. Yeah. And then there's ones where he's just playing the uni vibe and just playing, like, straight, clean, no effects. And then his voice... So there's like him singing and then there's another voice track of him, his voice being Leslie'd or put through the uni vibe. Yeah. So if you listen like real carefully. And it's like pan stereo as well. 
Yeah, there's just like there's like a jitter yeah. to it. Yeah. That's running. That is probably my favorite Jimi Hendrix song of all time. Mm, right? yeah, a lot or of if, not that, if not that one, probably would be very close. And I just wanted to say before on the point you were talking about how everyone has their own style to it. Yeah, even the most famous covers of this song, you know, John Mayer through, I've heard Sting has a great version. The most iconic is probably Stevie Ray Vaughan. Even Eric Clapton Eric on Clapton. Derek and the Dominoes. He does a great version of that. You know, it's... It, it's, it's you. I feel like you really hit the nail on the head there because like Stevie Ray Vaughan's version is six minutes or whatever. He sort of plays the riff traditionally at the beginning and then he just like takes it freely mm. through the verse and does his own stuff. He, but yeah, everyone has their own style on it. The Sting version has like a great sax solo. Like oh, it, yeah. There's all like weird different versions. The Eric Clapton one has more like of like a big band kind of dynamic. Mm. And then I think... Um, is it Dwayne? I think Dwayne was playing a little bit of slide on there as well. Yeah. Because he was part of that joint cool. at the time. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Very when nice. I, when I heard that song there, like, I always loved Jimi Hendrix, but I never, like, fully got into them until, like, year 11, year 12. I saw a video of a guy that I was mates with, not close mates with, mm. but, like, and he was my age who played guitar. He did, like, he uploaded a video of him playing that song, and I watched him. I was like, fuck, this guy can play that song, like, that's, that's incredible that he can play that. And then that forced me to learn that song. And I spent the most time I reckon I've ever learned learning that song. Really? Yeah. So you, it was more of a self-taught expedition. I think I asked the teacher to teach me the basics because I was legit looking at the tabs and lessons and I it's could freaky, not understand because yeah. like, there was numbers and what, shit, weird shit was Do you know what's something I, I genuinely only learned last year? Uh, and it goes to like this. You know how certain songs like this song just have a magic to them, Some, mm. an unexplainable quality? One of the things I... I, be, uh, I realized about this song was someone told me is that it fluctuates so heavily in time signature. It's, mm, you know, yeah. it's not quantized today exactly to a track. It starts off at like 16. He'll speed up to 90 yeah, at one point and slows right back. Very expression. <clears throat> has a lot of expression. Well, you quantizing know? obviously didn't exist back then. So it was either metronome or nothing or he just played, played feel. So. But like, of, of course he would have played it with the band live. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, his expression and feel on that track what what a traditional musician is called rubato but actually i've there's incredible. like the on the out on like one of his like bootlegs or like um posthumous kind of releases it was like Jimi hendrix in the west and he plays little wing live mm. he played like that compared to the live one he he's playing rapid in that live one like he's playing the licks real like the intro real fast shit and yep. he's obviously not playing it exactly the same because even though he wrote that lick, I doubt he could play it exactly the same every single time because there's that much going on. It's, it's a voodoo lick. It's literally just, no one can play it exactly the same two ways in a row. I would have listened to that song at least like 200, 300 times. Fuck. And it not even like, it's all the little stuff in that song. Exactly, like, man. Just exactly. the, the triangle and like the Yeah, ding, the, the dings. Yeah. The, <laughs> just, just little shit like that carries that sometimes. Come on, i got to find one now. Yeah, there you go. Like it, yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's change we, it we up. Gotta, we gotta be talking about something else. Let's, like it took let's, side. Let's go with this. Listen to that panning. Standing here, freezing inside your golden garden. Got my letters up against your wall. Sorry, skip forward. Oh. Classic funky album. This this song and this album in general. The, um, not only is the music more psychedelic, um, the lyrics are more psychedelic. I mean, think of this song. I think I gotta wait to tomorrow. 
and, and then like other songs which we'll get to like Boulder's Love, extremely psychedelic, talking about colours and that stuff. That song's probably one of his fastest riff songs because he's playing like chords, but then like so he do a chord. I can't. I think it's like. It's all. It's, you know what the thing about Jimi Hendrix is? They're like, oh my god, he plays lead so well. He's actually like more of a um, a rhythm player than anything. Exactly. He he's, he finds chords like he finds melodies within his chord shapes, and that's like that's something you know. Like, okay, to go back to an icon of mine, John Frusciante taught me that. Yeah, to play leads between. Chords, Chords yeah. but then he obviously learned that from Jimi Hendrix. Exactly. You know I mean? you, you got to look at who your heroes are. Your hero's hero. So like, he'll play a chord, and while he's holding the chord, he'll get the E string and do a little flourish. That's why know? I love Jimi Hendrix because, like, obviously people would be like, "Oh, he's like blues, rock, soul, whatever." He can't really be tied down to one genre because this is more like that'd be more like funk elements. That's a funk group. I'm that physically looking at your hands to so the hammering on of the notes yeah. and stuff. Yeah, very funky. And even like what's going on with his right hand as well. Um, um, it's in, when you think of his right, well, when you think of his left hand, consider yeah, left hand. But um, yeah, that's important. Like, the fact that he was left-handed and playing on the guitar that he played had an influence on his sound. Yeah, incredibly important. Give me another song from this album or something else you'd mm, like to bring um, up. Oh, if six was nine, that's another good one on there. Ah, do mine. Uh, this is a this is a better example of psychedelic lyrics. Oh yeah, for than sure. The last song, but yeah. Give to me, Jimmy. So so minimalistic, and then just goes into complete chaos. I don't mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Even yeah. like and the little breakdown. Then it goes into the yeah. wild section. Yeah. White collar conservatives flashing the street down the line. <laughs> oh, that but that bass line, yum. By his guitar playing too, of course. Um, the painting again. That track and this album is like the production work on it. Yeah, is a big part of it. Like without that, making you feel uncomfortable with the painting, the song doesn't have the same kick. I can't remember the guy's name that um, mixed and recorded, but like they, he had like a very good um, producer, and like. Someone that master the tapes. Well, Chaz Chandler. Chaz Chandler. That's it the says guy. that, and so and that, that's what you're talking about yeah. before as well. You got it right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Beautiful. Uh, but I can't remember the guy that was in the studio. But he's like a well-renowned producer. I, I, I've heard stories of him deliberately trying to push the panning as much as possible after hearing like other '60s music, like the Beatles or or other stuff like that. But yeah, I don't, don't know the specific one. Mm. Um, just on a side note, which I remembered, you know, when we talked about Jimi Hendrix going to, um, coming from America and going to UK, obviously mm. bands like Cream were coming up and all that in that same kind of, in this same kind of era. In the same era, the same ilk, you know. I can't remember exactly what the bar was called, but Jimi Hendrix went to a, went to a bar or something that Cream were playing at. Obviously Cream. I think I know Eric the story, Clapton. but yeah, tell yeah, it, yeah. tell it, please. He went to a that bar, and I think someone was like to Eric, oh, don't know. Someone, someone was like, oh, can can what's his name come come and play with you or something like that? And I was like, yes, okay, we'll get him on. I've heard of I've heard of him, yeah. like whatever. And Jimi Hendrix is like, all right, follow me, do whatever. They play 
Killing Floor. Mm. So I think it's... Yeah, sounds right. Just a fast, tight lick. I should have quit you. Yeah, something like that, but it was like rapid for the time. That's like probably about 70% I can go, but I could go quicker, but with it, it was just chaotic. It just wild, Anyway, yeah. the story goes that Eric Clapton, so that song was released by a blues artist, I think. Was it Muddy Waters, I think? Albert Cop. Al- Albert Cop. One not, of those. Not certain, sorry. One of those yeah. guys. We'll get backlash from this. Um, anyway. <laughs> we'll get hate. We'll get hate mail. <laughs> from <laughs> their estate. Yeah, their estate suing us. Anyway, the story goes that Jimi Hendrix like, follow me, we'll play Killing Floor. Uh, Eric Clapton said Killing Floor was too fast for him to play. <laughs> and that was a slowed down version. Yeah. That, religion, that, that version there is like the Hendrix version, like sped up like times a thousand. He plays wild the man version. Yeah. He plays the cream. The crowd goes wild. Eric Clapton storms off because he's like, <laughs> "This is ridiculous!" Like, fuck this guy. He, he just to upstage him. Well, yeah, literally, yeah. he upstaged him. But like, Jimi Hendrix was literally just playing, and Eric Clapton, like, his jaw was hanging open. I like, just couldn't believe it. And he was like, "Nah, fuck this." And Jim- he, I think he just didn't play. He just that, went off stage and didn't that's play. That's the shit Jimi Hendrix would do like every night, every live show. You know what I mean? But that was just him. It's not like he was like, oh, fuck Eric Clapton. I'm just going to do this to piss him off. Like, that was legit just how he played. There's some great stories of um, artists from that time interacting with other artists like Paul McCartney. Uh, some story about Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney. I was you going to say that he saw him in the he, bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they played it live or something. Paul McCartney tuned Jimmy's guitar. Jimmy yeah. Hendrix's guitar. This, I don't, should have brushed up on it, but. Yeah, they're, they're and always... we talked about a few. We talked about for the radio show, like the, um, no, we talked about we, maybe we've talked about it for an upcoming episode. But anyway, Jimi Hendrix, um, playing Sergeant Pepper. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes. Shout out to an upcoming episode, <laughs> but no, him playing Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, um, after just quickly learning it like half an hour before. Yeah, wild. Literally, and then at that time as well. Eric Clapton was considered the number one, like Jeff Beck, Jimmy Page, or not even because they were still kind of coming up. Like they were around, but they weren't like considered like the penultimate. Yeah. Everyone was writing Clapton is God in, in UK, yeah. like all that kind of shit. Like you see it all in the documentary. British invasion. So Eric Clapton whatever, was yeah. number one. And this guy literally was here for like, what, three weeks? And he's already like getting that kind of exposure. Crazy. All right, let's get. Oh, no. Actually, no. Yeah, no. Nah. Just one more <laughs> thing I wanted to say before we get back to the album, then we'll. F- finish it up you mentioned estate and we should talk about Jimi Hendrix's estate since his mm. since his passing not the most um uh giving or thoughtful musical estate no so and this is common of many artists who die I mean no one has no one can respect the artist's wishes as much as the artist and especially since Jimmy was lost so early I'm guessing there's probably no clear plan as to what to do with not his really music since because his I passing. think I think he I don't know exactly, but I think he lived, used to live with his mother or his mother passed away or was something. He only had one parent and then obviously they would have passed as well. And then the estate fell into the hands of his uncle or like a relative or yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think his nephew controls it. Yeah, like his nephew, something moment. like his yeah. nephew. And obviously they can have, they own all the like rights and licenses to the music and like the, the studio or whatever. What can be used in what, who can use it in a commercial, whatever. So we, I think we did talk about that in an upcoming episode. But yeah, uh, what Alex mentioned before when Jimi Hendrix plays um, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band for the Beatles at the, that reveal or whatever. Mm. Um, in the movie 
uh, All Is By My Side, where Andre 3000 from Outcast plays Jimi Hendrix yeah. in the movie, because the estate didn't give like permission or the, the rights to use the songs, they could not use any legitimate Jimi Hendrix bonkers songs for a film you in know a what film I mean? yeah. about him because yeah. they obviously didn't agree with it or didn't they I don't think they liked Andre 3000 but yeah. like when you look at Andre 3000 it, he's perfect they're almost really, exactly yeah. the same like he's tall lanky kind of guy anyway regardless of that so they couldn't use any of the music in a Jimi Hendrix song which he, they're going to use covers like they use Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone yeah. or like a little bit of Red House but like not really because yeah. I can't use it uh, the Sgt. Pepper's cover too like Wild Thing, all those kind of songs. Um, in terms of like controlling musical estates, yeah, they can go in many different directions. They can go the direction of Jimi Hendrix estate, uh, which is like you get fucking nothing. Mm. We have we have the tightest grip. You know, I can't speak for Jimi Hendrix and what he actually wanted, but it can say his estate, you don't get anything. Or you can get the opposite end where... The estate is just fucking cashing in. Sell it to any dodgiest fucking yeah, commercial. Yeah. Get them, squeeze the most amount of money out of it. You know, it makes me think of like Prince's estate. Prince is the musician who would have thousands of songs in his vault that he never wanted anyone to hear. And as soon as, and he's, he never liked his music on Spotify, on YouTube. Yeah, he hated it. The second he died, Prince was so on- like anti-establishment. But but you know why that is though. We'll talk about this in a, in a Prince episode hopefully. But like it's because the the Warner Brothers and that fucked him over. Yeah. So after that he was like, nah, fuck, fuck that. giving yeah. them cash. But yeah, the second he died, he like appeared on Spotify and all that. Um, yeah. And then a middle ground one is actually someone like Bob Dylan who's still alive. Mm. But I heard recently that he's got some his estate and his will and shit in order. Mm. I feel like he's the type of person who would have clear instructions about what to do. Yeah, yeah. But like then again, when you think about it, Jimi Hendrix was he was a young man. So and twenty seven. Yeah, yeah, like he wouldn't have you're thought. You're thinking of that oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You'd be crazy. That'd be like me and you thinking, oh, I need my cars need to go here, today. my, my yeah. instruments to go to this person, or like they can't be touched. My music needs to stay here. Bonkers. Even like not even like. Set aside the music and stuff. Here's like the the stuff that any like anything that has Jimi Hendrix's name is either jacked the price up ridiculous, oh, crazy, or you just can't do it. Like think of all the custom guitars. So that the custom, sell, yeah, yeah, the custom guitars. See, that's a weird one because you slap the name Hendrix on it, ching, yeah, literally. So there are Fen- there are Hendrix inspired yeah. ones. I'm doing little bunny ears because they can't actually call them Jimi yeah. Hendrix ones. But obviously they're backwards and all that stuff. And then there was like a weird deal where. Gibson actually got the rights to to his to Jimi right. Hendrix's guitars, yeah. but they did like the Flying V, and they did a copy Stratocaster, but it wasn't. Yeah, it was like a Gibson caster. That. It's, it's, and it's, it's just the most bizarre thing weird. you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. But then recently, I think they got the all all clear for to do like the Rose thing and yeah. all that. Yeah, the Ro- they redid the Rose thing like a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And even like all the time, MXR and like Jim Donop, they're always doing. Like, mean, all Jimi the Hendrix. pedals are licensed and shit now. Yeah, everything. They're, they're yeah. li- but like. So I've got the uni vibe here, just a normal MXR Jim Dunlop uni vibe. Mm. But if that was the Hendrix one, that would be triple the price. Oh, like, yeah. the, the, like for his face on it and like the pattern and even just like for him like to be tweaked a little bit to his like settings, ridiculous, crazy. And, and no doubt that's probably because his estate one's a fat cut. Yeah, exactly. They're 100%. just that like Jewish about it. So. <laughs> All right, let's go this one. Now, when I talk about why production on this record is so incredible stuff like that reversing guitar sounds is just another tool used to make him sound incredible mm-hmm. and this is just a tasty mm-hmm. lick oh yeah one of the tastiest 
down the street you can hear a scream you're a disgrace as he slams the door in his broken face now it stands outside psychedelic and lyrics the neighbors like the gossip and drew i love about the, the indian yeah. kid what was it? before he was tan played war games in the wood with his indian friends this the intro always buzzes me up Oh, that's right. This is one of my absolute favorite Jimmy yeah, Hendrix song songs. Like again. This is it's, one. Of, this is one of his most creative songs, in my opinion, just because mm. it's so like literally. It's different. Even f- it has a different element, even from his own songs. You know what I mean? Just really special. The lyrics are fantastic and like really touching and melancholy. Oh, that's right. Um, and the. Holding that chord shape and sliding it across the neck, so I know cool. it's crazy, so cool. But look at this chord as well, like in the middle of the thing. Michael's stretching across four or five frets. It, it's crazy that, like, the chord, Michael, the chord Michael's playing, you have to like um, play it for like a second and then move on to the next chord. You're supposed to just land this, on this, but this chord. is a hectic chord to yeah. hold as well. Like, no, a normal guitarist wouldn't be able to hold that, and then just slides up and down and goes. I don't know, something like yeah. that. It's because it's in flat. It's throwing me off. That's why. Excuses. And the guitar solo is reversed. Yeah, the solo is hectic as well. That out, yeah. This is like groundbreaking technology at the time, reversing tape and putting it through backwards or recording. Like, oh, see, yeah. Go, oh, oh, Mark, I just remembered go. something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think either that song or another song that he's got like a guitar solo. The the solo is recorded backwards. So he plays it backwards and they put it through forward, but it sounds, but it's reversed. You, yeah, I know what you're Do you saying. Know what you mean? Do you know which song it is? I think it might be that one, to be honest. So he plays it as if it's reversed and then they reverse it and it sounds normal. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's, I'm pretty sure it's Castle's Made of Sand. It's the end. And people for ages couldn't work it out. Eventually, like how to play it because it's just so strange. Well, yeah, yeah because it's well, a lot of people a lot, yeah, a lot yeah. of people would put on a reverse delay and play what they think and it'd be fed back. But I think a YouTuber ages ago like slowed it down, picked out note for note what was being played, played it, and was like, this doesn't make sense. But then if you play it reversed... And put it through, it sounds normal. Yeah. Like it's cooked. Look, this record's incredible. It has Spanish Castle Magic, you know, like uh, Little Miss Lover. Spanish Castle Magic. Let's finish with this song. Metallic purple armor. Green jealousy. This is Jimi Hendrix's version of a four chord song. Yeah. But like, obviously, the feels. Which is crazy flourishes. This, I, this is like. Um, this is almost his like poppiest song um, because it's four chords, but it's not four chords and boring. It's four chords and he has flourishes and craziness and he has the heavy strumming and the energy of this song is ridiculous and it breaks down. Then it has the key change at the end and he hits it even higher. Ah. This song's like has crazy. La- has layers. Like it's a deliberately over. Yeah, that song. part there's like layered to the max. Fuck. Yeah, but even the lyrics, like bold as love, and he's talking everything's like a color. Like orange is the color, purple is the color, green, green is the color. jealousy, envy waits behind it. Yeah, exactly. 
That that's that one and Lil My Wayne. yellow in this case is not yeah. so mellow. <laughs> in fact, I'm trying to say <laughs> it's just clever lyrics like that. I'm clever a rainbow lining. like a you, but oh, no, that's killer. That part. And I'm bold. Bold I, as love is is a just a, a great phrase. Uh, well, that's bold as love. And the album is Axis Bold, bold as, as love. love. Yeah, the album cover is um, very psychedelic. Yeah, it has references to what looks like Indian yeah. mythology and mm-hmm. gods and stuff. Incredible. I don't know the name of those gods, but yeah, stunning. Like Geisha or whatever. Yeah. Um, a lot of those these songs here have actually been covered by John Mayer, like Little Wing, um, yeah, that one, John Mayer Trio, yeah, uh, and uh, and Wait Till Tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, iconic amongst blues musicians. Yeah, John Mayer. I he's. I will just quickly just dive into John Mayer because we haven't really talk, ever talked about him but like I love John Mayer I love him too know, now yeah. but back in, when I was early learning the guitar I asked one of my friends that like who's your favourite artist and he said John Mayer and I was like the, your body's a wonderland that yeah, guy like yeah. I was like yeah John Mayer I was like what later so another guy told me about John Mayer I was like I'm not really interested in his pop sound because if you listen to his albums they're very poppy and yeah. the occasional song he would shred up. I was like, okay. But I watched him, lo- no, my, I think my friend's sister saw him live. She's like, do you want to come to John Mayer? And I was like, no, no, no. And then she was like, oh, my God, like he was a mental live. He was doing Jimi Hendrix covers. And I was like, okay, I'll look it up, see what he's all about. Yeah. This guy plays hectic. Like yeah. I've never seen a player like, he honestly kind of reminds me of Jimi Hendrix. And the way he plays Jimi Hendrix songs as well, Absolutely chaotic. He, he, especially nowadays, since he's become a little bit more humble and all that. Yeah, he's, gets, a, he's a deadhead now. Yeah, he, um, his guitar playing is mm. is wild and so influenced by his heroes. Like he is actually quite active on Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a lot of guitar lessons where he. Yeah, teaches, I like that. He teaches people how to do like the difference between a quarter bend and a three quarter bend yeah. and the different sounds you can get. You know what I mean? And how like that's like two different notes. You know, like the importance of shit like that. Yeah. That that live concert in two thousand and seven where he does like all Jimi Hendrix songs is just incredible. Is that the one in which Nokia suits? Theater? Yeah, yeah, that one's killer. Stunning. Yeah, he does like a hectic. <laughs> it's just funny because like they're all wearing suits and he's playing Bold as Love and like Wait Till Tomorrow. Like what? Hey, and John Mayer was a big strat guy for most of his career. Now he's yeah, PRS. Yeah. Now, now he's PRS, but his PRS is almost is a Stratocaster yeah. with two bolts here. That's what it is. Stratocaster that like just an improved Stratocaster. It's a, a Stratocaster with like a rapid couple neck. fixes. Yeah. yeah. This is your favorite Jimi Hendrix album. Yeah, I'm I mean, pretty sure. You know why? Because like, I like a lot more of the songs on on the first album, but just like the the tonality and the way the creativity. He, like, yeah, the mm. creativity, the lyrics, and like the way he experiments. And and you know what I like as well? It's the clean tone. Like the other album is so dirt, like it's raw, dirty, like chaotic with the drives and the cranked marshals and fuzzes. This not so much, but it's more like the like the beautiful like voicings and like yeah. the chorus and the univibe and the layering look tomorrow this might be my favorite album today it's not yeah. it's one of those it's yeah it fluctuates but this is literally top top this is s tier record mm. this is the highest it can go it sits next to each other no worries about that at all and then un- well un- i say unfortunately but um this is the final <laughs> Jimi hendrix record while he was alive um electric ladyland 1968 there are, there are uh, again, so many iconic songs on this record. What do you think is more iconic in your personal opinion? Mm-hmm. Is it the All Along the Watchtower cover or the Voodoo Child sound? And which one do you want to start with? A lot, like, it uh, used to be, uh, if you asked me this a while ago, I would say All Along the Watchtower, but 
I'd say Voodoo Child now. Voodoo Child is is another just completely. When I first heard it, literally like nothing I'd ever heard before. But even, so unique. You, you, like you say that, like when you first hear it, nothing. But even I listen to it now, like it, I've listened to this song at least 200, 300 times. I still get blown away. It's the biggest fuck you walkout song. And then. Because I'm a voodoo child, voodoo child. God knows I'm a voodoo child. You know what's funny about that song? There's like legit three chords in there. I know. It's like the th- E, E, sharp, major, and then. Like the shit that he can do, it just like, he, he yeah, his fundamentals are, are simple, but like the shit he does. And yeah, th- that is a prime example of using the wah pedal, like. That just—it's—it's it's a you sound know, that I just had never that heard song before. In particular, it's, it's, it's sort of melting my brain at the moment. That song in particular, I tried to replicate that like every which way under the sun. I was like, I just can't do it. I don't know what. Obviously, I'm in standard now, so it's not going to sound 100. Yeah. But oh wait, that's because. What's that cook? Something like that. I think it's uh, like eight. Anyway, incredible. Um, and then the other like extremely iconic need to be talked about song from this record, amongst others, is the the Bob Dylan cover. This is more famous than the original song. Every Viet- Vietnam War song ever. <laughs> <laughs> You know, people like to say that uh, cover songs are not better than the original. This is a, a, a contender of an exception to the rule. This could be an exception to the rule. You know, the, the, it's, the lyrics are not exactly the same. Jimmy takes some of his own lyrics, but like he takes his own fucking style on it as well. He fucking goes wild. Yes, yeah, and yeah, severely tied to any Vietnam War. Literally, type, it's uh, this song and then mood. This song, or was it "Gimme Shelter" or something? Yeah, or, yeah. Crazy. I was just think of like a helicopter, the Vietnam jungle <laughs> with a chopper gunner. Fuck. <laughs> but that's just the image it paints in my head. I don't know, I'm weird there like that. There must be some kind of way out of here. Yeah, so the I had only ever heard that version, and then oh as, yeah, yeah okay. as my. You went back palette, to the original. Palette grew and I found Bob Dylan. Like I only knew Bob Dylan from Hur- the song Hurricane yeah. because it was a top song. Fun fact, it's about a boxer, real-life boxer. Yeah. Anyway. Hurricane. Uh, yeah, so I went back and listened to it and I was like, really? Like this is the song? Yeah. I just couldn't believe it. Because that, that song is like someone someone took that Bob Dylan acoustic song and just jacked it into a Marshall. <laughs> yeah, uh, just yeah like, exactly. I had, to, I, mean? I had to play it. Again, like heavy delay with slide shit. And then ready? Just like. It goes from like that that weird thing to just like really squash type playing. I don't know. It's so weird. Weird like that. Um, and this is one of those songs that uh, 
uh, every person who makes like YouTube music essays has, oh, to, yeah. has to cover this song. I mean, for good reason too. I've probably watched all of them. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's one of those songs that's heavily documented. This song, that song there as well, a lot of, like it's famously covered by like school bands as well. Like I know we did that, we covered that song one time yeah. at CBC. This is a more of a deep cut. 1983, A Mermaid I Should Turn I To I love be. this song. I actually love Good, this song, yeah. though. 13 minutes for those who haven't heard it. but Yeah, it's I a long saw... one, but... Now, again, low research show. Is it based off a poem or a book or something? I think it is, but I don't know the answer. I think I think so. I think it might be a book. Yeah. Loosely, like yeah, loosely. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's 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 marching. It's It's majestic. It's 13 minutes of psychedelia. Great song, great deep. A lot of people haven't heard it, so that's my wreck. That's my strong wreck. Please listen to that song. So my love, Katharina and me decided yeah. to take a last walk through the noise into the sea. Yeah, I, I love that song. There's a I don't know if you I don't know if you heard it, but there's like a that there's like he does that song in like his room with an acoustic guitar or just like him. I haven't just, heard that. Just him with it like an eight track, and it sounds like fuck. That'd be wild. It's it's cool. It's really cool. I'll I'll, I'll put it in the listening. That's guide. a deep deep cut. Put it in the listening guy. That is wild. Yeah, I had to shut that one out. But then like you know, if you're going back to the classic Rawkus stuff, Crosstown Traffic with the kazoo. Again, that like that's um, that flat nine chord, that the boom boom bar sound. I think, yeah, something down down up down down up strumming style, incredible. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's 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 almost funny to me and super anno- uh, super sorry not annoying, super amusing is is that I, I really always love the chorus of this song. Cross town traffic. Yeah. <laughs> you actually do a good job to hit that. Cross your back. I, I like the the band singing cross town mm. and they come in with train. Traffic. Yeah, that's killer. And this is one of Jimmy's dirtiest vocal performances. Well. Yeah. It just needs to be said. You got that. I'm not accused of. Mm-mm. Yeah, exactly. Hit and run. Oh, Finds it could it comfortably lives on the first album. Yeah, but it has it's more it it pushes the boundaries more so like it fits perfectly. On this album, yeah. Then you get like other songs, like yeah, please, actually, you know what? It's the the second song, like "Have You Been to Electric Lady?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever been? And like, those little flourish chords. It's it's more soul. It's more Motown. Great song. It's that's only a short song as well. I just always liked that, just because of the. It, uh, it's just, it's it's the uni vibe just like it just it's uh, you it's did you te- feel under the sea when you hear these like songs uh, with the chorus and the uni vibe yeah it's, it's toying between time signatures on that song extremely great song I mean another one is Little Miss uh, Strange great song uh, anything else you want to shout out from this album mm, or oh like but oh, Gypsy Eyes yeah not <sighs> I love your gypsy eyes. It's some of Jimmy's highest on the neck plate. Yeah, yeah. Does, does he use an octave for this song, or does he just? He did. He does yeah, famously yeah. use the Octavia. Yeah, I reckon he does. 
Yes. Actually, that's another thing he kind of pioneered, the Oct- Octavia fuzz. Yeah, like, and that yeah. was not really seen a lot at all until he started using it. Look, it's uh, not more what needs to be said apart from another fantastic album. Uh, and unfortunately, the last one, uh, Band of Gypsies came out, but that's a live album. Is it, oh yeah, it is live. Oh no, you got. We'll talk about Band of Gypsies and stuff. But I was just gonna say, like other notable tracks on yeah, yeah, Lady Land, Long Hot Summer, yeah. Burning of the Midnight Lamp, even just just Voodoo Child because the Voodoo Child slight returns the one with a hectic lick. Yeah, exactly. Fifteen minute track yeah. as well. Another like traditional. It's blues. fifteen minutes, but I'm not even mad about it. No, exactly. That's not a complaint. Uh, this is a one of the more traditional bluesy Blue, forms. Oh yeah. Obviously, you can hear it's chugging along here. It's got the organs and stuff. Boom, boom, boom. You know what I love about Jimi Hendrix? All the songs that we've talked about, they all just like the lyrics and the songwriting is that good. It just paints an image in your head. Like legit, all of them tell a story. All the good ones. It's all effortless as well. Like, yeah, it's not. It's not forced at all. No, nah, like his his songwriting is um, fucking superb. What can I say? Fantastic album. Uh, yeah, Band of Gypsies then, shall we? Yeah, we'll talk about Band of Gypsies. So, <laughs> Live this... at the Fillmore East, 1970, yes. I believe it's the, the last officially recorded record. The reason I wanted to talk about died. this normally, or just, just this alone, was yeah, yeah. Machine Gun. Yeah, Everyone yeah. knows Machine Gun. Uh, well, have we, how we talked about, bef- how we, we've highlighted all unique sounds that Jimi Hendrix has used. Uh, machine Gun is um, quite appropriately named... I love the Spotify like tripped out videos too. Yeah. It's just a long solo. I loved the first time I heard that, I was like, yeah. It's also played in D as well, like oh, D standard. It? Actually, I didn't know that. That's what I was saying before. He has sort of a machine gun, like firing a gun with his hand. Yeah, that's why I love that. I love that use of the wah pedal because like the is meant to be the sound of a machine gun. Yeah. Machine gun. He has so many songs like that where he just pioneers new sounds or brings it to the mainstream. Incredible. Like things like that. Like thinking about like who would do that now. Like Tom Morello was doing this, doing those kind of things with like the making chopper gunner sounds and like with a pencil. Yeah. Like Jimi Hendrix was kind of making like weird sounds like that just with like the wah, the with his hand. Yeah, and with his hand as well. Yeah, Tom Morello like obviously takes that. Many levels above, but he's fucking twink tinkering pedals and shit. Yeah, Hendrix is like in his fingers. But the funny thing about both of those, obviously they're very different plays, but the thing about both of those is the things they use, it's very minimalistic, like gear. Like Tom Rillo's not like the edge, he's got racks and racks of gear, and neither was Jimi Hendrix. One, because it didn't exist, and two, just because like it was just unheard of, like to do those kind of things. Unneeded, yeah. Jimi Hendrix had like a handful of things that had his specific sound, and that was about it. So, yeah. So none of these other albums, so they're not when he was alive. Uh, is that right? As far as I'm aware, no. Well, no, sorry. No, they obviously weren't. Um, but what I, what I meant to say is a lot of albums were released after his death and that goes to the point we're talking about his estate. Even, even but, Jim, Jimi Hendrix Blues, like that one? Yeah, I mean, like, well, let's start with the, the Cry of Love j- just because okay, yeah, yeah. 
I with this one I am aware that he was in the making, like he was creating a new album. So like a lot of this material is like purely studio recordings. It's not like this album has less of trying to piece. You know when you hear an artist dies, they try to piece yeah, it's shit like they together, take bits of one and just smack it together. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. This is like a lot of, I'm sure if he had lived like another year or two, this these would songs complete. This yeah, and these songs probably would have sounded I, very similar to the way they were released. I did hear some something like that that, that he he was working on that either something and it was almost finished but not quite. Um, and this material is great too. Like Angel is one of my favorite Jimi Hendrix ballads, mm-hmm. famously covered by like Rod Stewart and other musicians. Oh, oh really? Yeah. I didn't know that. I, yeah, I don't think Jimmy's version was a hit, but Rod Stewart's version was a hit. I actually did not enough. know that. But not, listen, just listen to like the creative guitars again. I just, it just sound like I'm under the sea. Then he like modulates up into the verse. Ready? Boom! Angel came down from heaven yesterday. That song is notoriously difficult to play. I think I tried learning it once and my my hands were legit. It's all up here and my hands were like stretching like crazy and I couldn't do it. Fly on my sweet angel. There's, that song in particular, I know for a fact, there's like heaps of different versions of it. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And like, then, you know how you said you, that was on the cry of love. I'm looking at my phone right now. I can't see it because I've got it on from another album on my phone. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and then there's like belly button window... Another interesting song. Shit. More of a traditional style. It sounds really soft, but I think it's... I'm guessing it was more of a demo that, that got released. That's just a guess, but... Yeah, then there's like f- songs like Freedom. Yeah, exactly. Freedom! This is a pretty heavy Jimi Hendrix song. Yeah, his tone's aggressive here. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. this is going to be another guess. This is just my opinion from listening to the album. This whole album, having listened to it before, the production value is a lot cleaner. Yeah. Uh, it's it's almost as if, I mean, obviously, Jimi Hendrix wasn't around when this album came out. It's almost like his, his estate or some producer has come in and cleaned it up. It doesn't sound like I mean, a tr- traditional Jimi Hendrix production yeah, style. You know what I mean? But you can understand why, because, like, they obviously would have... If if that's the case, then that w- that would have been his next studio solo album. They would have like finished it the way Jimi Hendrix wanted it. Obviously, he passed away, didn't get a say. So then there w- it's not like there was a rush of this yeah, album to get out. Exactly. Like with him working on it himself, there would he would have set himself a deadline if he wanted to get out at X amount of time. Then there's so much other shit that has come out. So many live shows. Compilations with the new songs you never heard before, like the the soundtrack for the Rainbow Bridge film. Yeah, I was gonna say like Easy Rider and songs like Isabella on there. I love the song Isabella, to be honest. Yeah, let's shout that out. Fuck. Oh, that song is pretty hard to play as well. A lot of these Hend- Hendrix songs are not difficult. I'm mean, not easy to play. I honestly can't remember. Where's Isabella? Sorry. It's on. Um, First Rays of the Rising Sun. Yeah, and look, I, I, again, I'm, my my knowledge of everything Jimi Hendrix ever done is not there, but I'm sure this 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 could have been in a film or something. And yeah, like these, came were, out these later. songs were used in that that the Rainbow song. Yeah, exactly. But this song and Dolly Daggers on there as well. You know, the, the, there's the Both Sides of the Sky album, which is 
I'm not super familiar with, but I'm pretty sure it's like all material that hadn't been heard before and like so many live al- albums and shit like that. A lot yeah. of the albums I've got on my phone right here, I'll just shoot Hendrix through. in the West, you yeah, mentioned Hendrix before. Yeah, Hendrix in the West. That's like the live. Like he, he's Here's doing- the Sergeant Peppers thing that we teased before while Michael has a look at what he's doing. This might not have been the one where Hendrix, uh, where Paul was in the audience, but he's a, just a test in general. Yeah, these are all covers, I'm pretty sure, of this album. Yeah. Apart from Little Wing. Blue Suede Shoes. To you. Yeah, Johnny, yeah, Johnny Be Good, Blue Suede Shoes, he does. Incredible. Like, you'd hear that and be like, Blue Suede Shoes. Like, that does not yeah. sound like Blue Suede Shoes. You know, but then he goes, Dang. I mean, it might seem obvious now, but um, he was just great at doing covers, wasn't he? he he's one of those artists that literally di- didn't do a boring cover. He, he, and he, he was effortless, though, as well. Yeah. I'm pretty sure, like, he'd hear something and he just the way he'd play it just, just came out. So and like, you know how sometimes covers are boring because they're exactly the same as original? It seems to me that Jimi Hendrix had physically no way of not playing a cover except his way. Like, he would hear a song, process it through his fingers, and it would come out like a Hendrix song. Just today, I, I can't remember what artist or what song it was, but I know it was a Beatles song that was being covered by someone else. I was listening to it and I was like, do I know this? I didn't, it didn't click straight away that yeah. it was Beatles. I was like, do I know this song? And I was like, yes, I do know this song. And then I, then I realised it's a Beatles song and I was like, fuck, that just sounded shit. Yeah. But then you get his, like, people like Jimi Hendrix and other artists that legit anything they touch legit turns to gold. Because it just sounds unique and fresh. Could be a new song. Literally, though. Um, Anything else about Jimi Hendrix that you'd like uh, to I was just going to shoot through about. some of like his post-humorous ones like, that are most notable for me. So there's like Valley of Neptune, which was kind of like a, a more recent release. Uh, like the Rainbow Bridge soundtrack, which has got songs like Dolly Dagger on it. This is Valleys of Neptune. Yeah, Valleys of this Neptune. Is, um, this is a more recent post-humorous one. I think I've heard this before. It's, it sounds good. It sounds like I've heard it before. It sounds like a great Jimi Hendrix song. Mm. It's yeah, I can tell it has modern production, which is yeah. fine. Like if it's if it was released decades after his death, but that's just the production. His guitar playing is him. And then there's ones like People, Hell and Angels, Jimi Hendrix, which has got songs like Earth Blues and Villanova Junction on there. Villanova Junction Blues. This is Earth Blues. Yeah. A lot of these songs they repeat on other albums, but like yeah, they, they come up on different yeah. compilations and shit. Like that song that I've got on another album as well. You know, we have to remember. You know, before there was Spotify, you've got to imagine some bootleg that's going around and it ends up on the internet and whatever. Um, and then there's some like yeah, there's some live. So we talked about Hendrix in the West, which is live, and then there's Jimmy plays Monterey, Monterey, which yeah. is famously the one where he sets his guitar, guitar on, on fire. fire yeah. And he does, um, so he sets the guitar on, no, he, first he does, he plays Killing, oh, I don't know, he plays Killing Floor there and he does like Like a Rolling Stone, which is a Bob Dylan cover, another, Bob Dylan another cover, famous yeah. cover that he did, not as famous as the other ones though. And then he did Wild Thing, Wild Thing was, Wild Thing, Wild Thing's a very, is by the Trogs, I believe? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'm just trying to find the Jimi Hendrix cover, yeah, here we go. I'm going to probably put a link to the Monterey performance just so you, you can see him burning his guitar. It's just the heaviest buzzed out, like a proto shoegaze type song. Is that That's Wild Thing, isn't it? Yeah. Because he... In Doesn't that sound sh- like the original. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds wild, though. In, in that 
uh, show in particular, he talks to the audience a lot. He's like, oh, these fat cats, man. He does, actually. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And then in the, when he gets the wild thing, he's like, man, I love you all so much. I just want to sacrifice something I really love. And he's being like 100% genuine. And he's probably tripped out as well. But yeah. let's be honest, it was that time. He gets like lighter fuel, fluid and, and he was like, on the guitar. Yeah, he's like, all right, we're going to do like our collective national anthem. like Because in that show, he talks about coming from America and coming to the UK. And he was like not accepted and then accepted. And people didn't like him because like... They all, all had a bunch of reasons. Yeah. And he's like, we're going to do our collective anthem, which he thought was Wild Thing. Yeah. He plays Wild Thing for about 20 minutes and he decides to pour a lighter fluid on his guitar and set it on fire. And he, he literally, he's literally sacrificing it. Like he's doing like rituals and sacrificing the guitar. One of the most iconic moments in rock history, like, vis- like visual moments in rock history. Incredible. And like a guitar that got, for a guitar that got destroyed. No, that one there was like a red guitar with like the flower painted, yeah, I believe. The, like the white flowers, yeah. For a guitar that exi- I know what you're going to say. For a guitar that existed for such a like small <laughs> amount of time, it still exists today in replicas and remakes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like it ex- like, signatures. Like the signature. There's like the si- a million signatures of like people painting their own or like Fender custom like thousands of dollars. Yeah, and it's from people trying to like base it off photo shoots from the show. You know what I mean? Like there's not that many photos of it. But also, fun fact, I don't know if it's... I'm pretty sure it's that guitar or maybe another one he might have set on fire. I'm not sure. Mm. But that guitar obviously got fucked up, burnt to a crisp. But what, what remained of that guitar... Frank Zappa somehow came yes. into it. Yes. So, and then he owned it for a while, but he owned it like dismantled. Yeah. And only recently, Dweezil Zappa like put like a metal pick guard there and like fixed it up so it's actually playable. That's hella cool. And now Dweezil Zappa plays it, which I just think is bizarre and crazy, but also really cool. That's a cool moment like for rock history. Literally. Um, I was just going to another, like we'll probably end it at this one here, yeah, yeah. but the Blues, Jimi Hendrix Blues album, we haven't talked about. I don't know if this is posthumous or what's going on here, but posthumous. Yeah, uh, I'm not too posthumous. familiar with this album. This is, oh really? You should really listen to this one. I actually haven't heard this one. Genuinely, I haven't. On the cover, so I'm guessing he like plays it's blues songs. Main, yeah. Mainly blues, like how I wish. Um, sorry, that's alright. Uh, Catfish Blues. That's the one. Catfish Blues is on here. Well, that's like, a, that's an that's an iconic song, but I'd like to hear Jimmy's version. Let me hear. Oh, the cover's cool too. It has like yeah, it's got all, blues all the legends artists, on yeah. it. Yeah, I can see in Jimi Hendrix's face. I can see Robert Johnson. I can see BB King. I can see Albert Collins. I can see Muddy Waters. Yeah, Sunhouse is on there with the mm. cigarette, cigarette too. Freddie King too. Yeah, that's a cool cover. This is a cool song. Buddy Guy. Yeah, heaps of artists on there. I think Chuck, Chuck Berry's there at the top. Um, yeah, that was Catch Flip, Catfish Blues. There's I, like, I gotta listen to. I I I have to listen to that album. Yeah, actually, I actually haven't heard it. Give that yeah. one a sus because you. I reckon you will enjoy it. Um, there's like a lot of them are covers like Manish Boy and Hear My Trainer Coming, which is that famous twelve string. There's a video that everyone would have seen by now. The twelve of him playing the twelve exactly. string. Exactly. Wild. And then like Born Under a Bad Sign is on there too. It's yeah. mainly just blues covers, but. That's wild. Like he collectively is just insane. He must have had just so much material when he was alive. You know, talking about his estate again. Like, well, whether or not he wants his stuff released, we'll never know. But it's fucking out there, and yeah, he must it, have had so much stuff. Like, I'm pretty sure here and there. As far as like when he was in the studio, he legit lived in like. Rarely you'd see him without a guitar in his hands. Like, there's a few like photo shoots where he's walking around in bars and stuff with the, like, there's like a shoot where he's got the the old old like military jacket on there you probably would have seen mm-hmm. it 
And then actually a funny story because like some a cop or someone or some like pedestrian said like how dare you wear that military jacket and he just had no idea he was like oh, I'm just wearing it because I think it's cool yeah they're like how dare you like people like died for those stripes and jackets and stuff he served you know yeah but he did serve that's true but like to them like it's a who cares it's a black guy wearing yeah, I was gonna say I'm sure it's because he was a black yeah. But yeah, like I reckon, I generally reckon that he was inseparable with the guitar, and like, and he was just in the studio twenty four seven. Because how can he have that much material? Like, there's just shit that's never been released, or all this like posthumous, pompous stuff that's been released in like just what, like three, four years. I know, crazy. Like, yeah, and I think since streaming has become the mode where people listen to more and more shit has come out which is like yeah there's nothing good wrong for there. the fans like, I, I actually think something came out last year or maybe two or three years ago like fairly recently of Jimi Hendrix like, but it's the same stuff uh, like, he, to be honest yeah exactly his estate does have respect for his music it's just that they've released a lot of stuff and yeah there's not, nothing wrong with that like I'm never going to complain oh another Jimi Hendrix album yeah, but yeah like, exactly when you start to see the same things are like t- take 10 of Dolly Dagger or yeah, take 32 okay, yeah. of I'm just like, okay, I've heard it all before. Like, you know, maybe just let it let it rest for a while. Mm. Um, but Jimi Hendrix's legacy will never rest. Oh, exactly. <laughs> just, just, to, just to put a nice little bow on the episode. Um, the King lives on. The greatest, probably the greatest, get, well, let's, let's say uh, uh, he's definitely one of the greatest guitar players of all time. I'm trying to think of something safer to say. He's maybe... Maybe the most unique guitarist of all time. Like the stuff that he brought to this time when he was alive was incredible. You know, you have crazy outlandish guitar players since then, but while he was alive, just yeah, just he's no the one, king. No one for that. And his music continues on today, which you can't say about a lot of guitarists. There's a lot of guitarists who go fucking bonkers and amazing, but <laughs> their music don't doesn't live on. Yeah, his music's iconic. But even like. Even compared to today's standards, like that was 1967, his first stuff came out. You hear that stuff now, and it's still like it. Almost, it doesn't get dated. It's just it just no. It doesn't. It sounds it, fresh. It literally it's, sounds it's like, incredible like everlasting. Jimi Hendrix is everlasting. Rest in peace, my man, my boy. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, that was our Jimi Hendrix episode. Go listen to him. Yes, you have to. At least, just well, I just want you to listen to at least one thing from this song. All right. See you, everyone. See you later.